Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Western New York race fans, it's time to crank it up. Start your for the next hour, the airwaves belong to you. Sit down, strap in, and let's head to WGR's Fast Track. All right, take a nice big deep breath, buddy. With your host, let's go out there and have a good day, all right, bud? Dave Buchanan. Good morning, race fans. 1102 here on WGR Sports Radio 550, and welcome to a Mother's Day edition of WGR's Fast Track. I'm Dave Buchanan. Thanks for listening, as always, and happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there listening, and a very big happy Mother's Day to my wife, the wife of our daughter, and uh, my mother, and my mother-in-law, of course. So happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there, and an extra special happy Mother's Day to all the racing moms who... Uh, make it happen with their sons or husbands uh, that are involved in motorsports and let them do what they do, or maybe they are a driver or a crew member as well, too. Whatever they do involved with racing, an extra special happy Mother's Day to you. On this very special Mother's Day edition of Fast Track, we've got a couple NASCAR races to catch up on. Uh, last night's race at the Kansas Speedway that Martin Truex won and had that very scary crash involving Eric Almirola, Joey Logano, and Danica Patrick. You heard in Mike's update that uh, he uh, Almirola was taken to a hospital for observation. There's not been any published uh, reports of updates on Almirola's condition since about 2 a.m., where he was taken. All these basically all I've said is he was alert when taken to the hospital and was kept overnight for observation. That's the latest official updates. There have not been any other reports really in uh, almost 12 hours, not 12, 10 hours, we'll say, uh, on the condition of Eric Almirola after last night's scary incident. But Martin Truex picked up the victory last night, uh, getting by Ryan Blaney on a late-race restart and uh, getting some redemption after last year's uh, dominating performance at Kansas that was derailed by a parts failure. So Truex gets his second win of the year. Also last week at Talladega, Ricky Stenhouse getting a first career Cup Series win in an exciting finish with Kyle Busch at Talladega. Uh, I am, you know, have wavered on my love of restrictor plate racing in NASCAR, but that finish to the race last week was phenomenal. Great last lap battle between Busch and Stenhouse, and Stenhouse fending off Kyle Busch for the victory. What a th- The whole race was last week, outside of the big pileup with Elliott and Allmendinger. Last week's race was maybe one of the better restrictor plate races uh, besides last year's Daytona 500, one of the better ones in recent memory. But uh, great for Stenhouse to get his first career win. So we got those two races to react to. Uh, if you have thoughts on either, 803-0551-888-550-2550 for your thoughts on that or anything else going on in the world of motorsports. Also send us a tweet uh, at FastTrack550 and uh, Facebook too, facebook.com slash WGRFastTrack. Also on today's program, coming up in about 10 minutes, we'll head out to Indianapolis because, of course, it is the month of May and the Indianapolis 500 is two weeks away. They had a race there yesterday too, of course, the Grand Prix of Indianapolis, which has become part of the schedule there at the month of May at the Indianapolis Motor 
Speedway. And we'll talk to veteran motorsports journalist John Oriovitz, who resides in uh, Indiana, uh, Indianapolis in the Speedway area. And uh, we'll get his thoughts as we are uh, mo- moving up very quickly on uh, some very busy times there at the Brickyard. We, again, had the race yesterday. Pole qualifying is uh, next weekend, Saturday and Sunday. Uh, is qualifying for the Indianapolis 500. And two weeks from today is the 101st running of the greatest spectacle in racing, the Indianapolis 500, which you will hear right here on WGR. Also, coming up at the bottom of the hour, hey, it stopped raining a little bit this weekend, so we got some local racing in, and uh, we're also getting a few more tracks getting ready to open up, including the Holland International Speedway in the hills of Holland in Southern Erie County, and Tim Bennett will join us from the Holland International Speedway to give you a preview, give a preview of their upcoming 2017 season there at uh, Western New York's only NASCAR-sanctioned track, the Holland International Speedway. So all that on the table this morning. But again, plenty of time for your phone calls, too. We'd love to hear from you at 803-0551-888-550-2550. Of course, the big story is the crash uh, that happened late in uh, yesterday's race, and what a a horrific scene. It it looked bad even before Almarola got involved. As it all started with Logano when the uh, the uh, brake rotor flew off the car and, and cut the right front tire, and that car immediately just hooked left and caught the right rear quarter of Danica Patrick, Patrick's car, sending both of them into the wall, making very hard impact. And I, you got to feel bad for Danica. I mean, you listen to that that interview on Fox last night, and you got to kind of feel bad for her at this point. It, it, you know, just the frustration. It's not. It's it's obviously not for lack of trying uh, on Danica Patrick's part for her uh, track record in NASCAR. It's it's not that she she doesn't care about what she's doing. Um, maybe it's a, a lack of, of skill and or talent, but it's not like that she's just kind of going through the motions behind the wheel of that number ten car. And you got to feel bad for her. You could see how visibly she frustrated she gets when she has moments like this. Again, having a she was having a decent day for her you know i hate to qualifying by saying that but she was having a good night and she was running you know top 20 top 15 looked like she might get a good finish out of it and then she's just riding and and logano has that uh break part fail and and cut the right front and take her out and she was just in the wrong place the wrong time so i you gotta feel bad for her and she was upset and and she was mad at logano because she didn't at first you saw them you know arguing as they got in the ambulance because she didn't know what happened it's the heat of the moment uh any other driver would have done the same thing and uh, i i'm sure her level of frustrated frustration was uh even worse when she first got out of the car compared to by the time she, the Jamie Little got to her outside of the care center. So you, you feel bad for her when she had she was having a decent run like that and to get taken out, well, not taken out, but run into by Logano and the parts failure. Uh, and those two made hard impact. I mean, let me look at some of the hits Danica's taken in her career, by the way. I, some of the hits she's had at plate tracks, you know, right from her rookie season, she has been taking wallops behind the wheel of that car. She is... I don't have stats to back it up, but she has to have taken some of the hardest hits in the sport over the last, I don't know, what, how long has she been in it now? Four or five years. I mean, she is she has taken her lumps behind the wheel of that race car, and uh, she took another hard one. And then, of course, they hit, and then in comes Almarola and just comes blasting in there, and it, and it had to be a cut tire or something, or he, I mean, that, that's the type of stuff you see in an ARCA race or you see in a truck race where some inexperienced driver just doesn't doesn't know what they're doing and comes flying in there like that. You don't see that in the in a cup series race unless there's a mechanical failure because Almarola he knows better 
he would have been trying to back out of it as best he could. A spotter would have been telling the same thing. To see him go flying in there like that, there had to be uh, either uh, it had to be some the tire tire got cut from the debris coming off the twenty two in the ten car, and he couldn't get the car slowed down. But I, I, the only thing I can imagine would have happened for him to come flying in there like that and just drill the 22 and that car got airborne and came down and then of course the worst scene you ever you, you don't want to see at a racetrack when they have to cut the roof of a race car off uh definitely you know one of the worst things to, to happen and luckily he was alert and conscious and talking which was the the best news out of that whole thing but uh, uh we wish eric uh, the best and hopefully a speedy recovery and hopefully it's not su- too serious an in- uh, injury of any kind and they're just erring on the side of precaution to keep him overnight for observation. But a, a, a wild wreck uh, in, in the race last night in Kansas. Then Truex and Blaney, I mean, Ryan Blaney, obviously he was, I'm sure more people were pulling for Blaney than Truex. Uh, Ryan looking for his first win. Wood Brothers looking for their first victory in NASCAR since they won the, the 500 with Trevor Bain. Uh, I mean, it would have been a great story. He had a great day, started on the pole, won a stage, and was leading there late. But unfortunately, that last late race restart, you know, usually it was Blaney that had the advantage on the short runs. He would always take off on all those restarts, but it would be Truex late in the long run that would come and catch Blaney and pass him for the lead. You saw that a couple of times during the race, maybe two, three times. Um, But for Blaney to come back, or excuse me, Truex to get him on the restart, that was huge. And obviously, you know, Truex obviously knew with the the short amount of laps that were left that he didn't have time for a long run to catch Blaney. So he took off and got by him and drove away to the victory. Uh, Brett Kozlowski came out of nowhere, really. He was kind of quiet most of the day. He had some issues earlier in the race. He come around, came he got around Harvick and Blaney as they battled for second. They're late to finish second. Harvick wound up third. Blaney, it, a disappointing fourth-place finish, unfortunately. I mean, you, you was you lead laps, you started, you lead 59 laps, you started in the pole. I mean, you got to be happy with fourth, but obviously he could have had a car to win. Uh, Kyle Busch, a decent day. One of the better performances by a Joe Gibbs car this season as they continue to uh, not find victory lane. He finished fifth. Kyle Larson, another solid day for your points leader, a sixth place finish. Uh, Dito Suarez, a good run for him. He continues to uh, learn the ropes in the Cup Series in his rookie season, finishing seventh. Jamie McMurray, eighth. Clint Boyer, Ninth, Trevor Bain and Ricky Stenhouse, 10th and 11th. How about Roush Fenway racing? I mean, you look at Stenhouse winning the race last week, as I, you know, I set off the open, exciting finish there with Kyle Busch. But him and Bain have been decent and, and, and have been, you know, getting, pulling some good finishes this year. And, and they're in the chase, right? Or in the playoffs, excuse me. Uh, they're in contention. Stenhouse is in. He's got the win. So he's in as long as he stays that top 30, which shouldn't be a problem at this point because he's 13th. But Trevor Bain's right behind him in 14th in the standing. So they're both in, in playoff contention right now, you know, as we are, uh, what, uh, 12? Uh, we're almost to the halfway point of the regular season here. So, I, I mean, they'll, they'll have to keep up the performance, obviously, throughout the summer, especially Bain, because he, unless he wins a race, he doesn't have a win to fall back on. So, you know, especially if, uh, we, there's some big names outside of the top 16. If they win, that could really tighten up the, uh, the, the amount of drivers that make it in on points. But still, uh, an impressive uh, start to this the first half of this regular season for the Roush Fenway drivers. Good to see because of everything that has was happened to, the, to that team in, in recent history. Going from you know the height of its uh, of their their peak when they were a four or five car operation, uh, all the you know all the big names: Kenseth, Biffle, Edwards, Kurt Busch, all the big names they had driving for them. 
you know, even just 10 years ago. And, and slowly that, that operation dwindled down to two cars and then sponsor troubles and everything. But uh, they're having a solid year, and they have good finishes last night with 10th and 11th for their drivers. Matt Kent at 12. Michael McDowell, got to give him a shout-out for a 13th place finish after starting 35th. Uh, other notable names in the field, Casey Kane, 15th. Kurt Busch uh, did make friends with Jimmy Johnson last night, that's for sure. A couple run-ins with the 48, and he wound up uh, 19th. Dale Jr., 20th. Eric Jones had a couple spins. He was 22nd, and he handled 23rd. Jimmy Johnson, again, a couple run-ins with uh, Kurt Busch, including one late in the race. Wound up twenty uh, fourth. Chase Elliott had that run in on pit road with Michael McDowell, and he wound up twenty uh, ninth. And uh, Le- uh, Patrick wound up thirty sixth with the crash. Logano thirty uh, seventh. So I mean, you look at the the points here again, nearing the halfway point of the regular season. Larson's uh, he's got a solid lead, forty four point lead. That's pretty big lead in in this era. Although with the the stage points that uh, you know. Um, the first year we're dealing with the stage points, so I mean it's it's still a pretty decent lead. Uh, Forty four up on Truex, who's got two wins now. He and Keselowski second and third. Elliott fourth, solid tough night last night, but he's still hanging in there. Uh, fourth in points, McMurray fifth, Harvick, Bush, Johnson, Logano, Boyer, Blaney, Hamlin, the, uh, Stenhouse, and Bain, and then Kurt Busch would be the last driver, uh, or actually Bain would be the last driver in on points. Then you got Bush, he's fifteenth in points with a win, of course, at Daytona. And then you got to go to Newman in 17th with a win. He's outside the top 16 but has the win, so he'd be the last car in uh, uh, for the, the postseason with Casey Kane, the first car, out. So when you look at the names, they're, they're just on the outside of, of playoff contention, but you got Kane, Kenseth, Suarez, Jones, Earnhardt, all on the outside looking in uh, on, the, on the postseason here. Again, lots of time, but it seems like in recent history, in the Chase era, the, the guys that are in playoff contention come the Coke 600, which is two weeks away, and, and we don't have another points race until then. Of course, the All-Star race is next weekend. The the playoff field doesn't change a whole lot post-Charlotte, it seems like, it, it, at least in, in recent history. Of course, this is a, a new year with, with stage points and everything, I understand. But the you know it, it'll be a lot of guys I think are gonna need to win to get in because at this point, I don't know if they're, there's a lot of big names that aren't going to be point their way in to uh, the playoffs this year. Uh, 803-0551, 888-550-2550. But uh, let's shift gears here and shift our attention to Indianapolis, and let's go to the AT&T hotline and bring in veteran motorsports journalist, a friend of this program. Last time we spoke to him was uh, at Watkins Glen, uh, Labor Day weekend for the IndyCar race. John Oriovitz joins us on the line. John, Dave Buchanan here in Buffalo. Good morning, my friend. Great to talk to you. Hello, Dave, and thanks for giving me an excuse to delay my uh, Sunday yard work a little bit longer. <laughs> no problem. We'll, you will take up all the time you, you want to give up here to avoid uh, having to, uh, to to rake and mow your, your lawn up there in Indianapolis. Uh, John, uh, before we get into the, the nuts and bolts of, of this year's Indianapolis 500, as someone that grew up Going to the race and someone that resides, you know, near the speedway. When that can what does it mean to you when that calendar flips to the month of May and business starts to pick up there at the speedway? Oh, it means a bunch of things. I mean, obviously, around here the the Indy Five Hundred is king, and uh, you know, it used to be a whole month of May thing where yeah. practice would start on May first, and and they would actually run the race on May thirtieth every year on Memorial Day. And that's changed. It's 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 changed by necessity. Uh, I look forward to just seeing the energy within the the city of Indianapolis that comes when the when the calendar gets close to May, and then once it finally turns over, 
uh, every, everybody gets fired up. And even if there's not 30 days of, of on-track activity anymore, there's still a lot of the uh, traditions of, of the so-called month of May continued. The uh, mini marathon uh, is the largest half marathon in, in the United States, if not the world, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, that always is a good way to kick off the month of May on the first Saturday. And then, of course, we've got the Grand Prix of Indianapolis or the IndyCar Grand Prix or whatever it was called this year, <laughs> the IndyCar race on the road course within the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, which, of course, we had yesterday with Will Power winning. Yeah, and then, of course, uh, we got qualifying next weekend and then, and then two weeks away. Uh, real quick, on uh, yesterday's race, a uh, solid win there f- for Will Power, and uh, he and Elio kind of dominated the day. What did you think of uh, yesterday's race uh, there on the road course? Well, I'm sure a lot of people will say, well, it was a boring race. But the answer to that that I would have to say is that these are probably the same people that complain when there's a badly timed yellow that costs their favorite driver the victory and it ends up with some kind of a fluky result. So the one positive thing you can say is, is that race ran without a caution period from start to finish. And as a result, you got to see exactly who was fastest and who was second fastest and so on. And there's no question that Will Power deserved to win that race. And uh, when, when a guy dominates a weekend like that, when he's fastest in both practice sessions, when he takes pole position, and then just a, a bit of bad luck, some guy blowing an engine or hitting the wall uh, right when he's coming up to to have his, to ha- do his pit stop, and it kind of ruins his race and, and makes him finish sixth or tenth or whatever. Uh, that That's one aspect of, of IndyCar racing that disappoints me when it happens. I think they get a little bit hasty with the yellow flag, and they have a rule that closes the pits. So when I do see a guy that just goes out and, and wins on absolute performance, like Power did yesterday, mm-hmm. it's the kind of win that I like to see. Yeah, I mean, it, it, that doesn't have. It's almost impossible, I think, in oval track racing, even for IndyCar, to have a caution-free race. It seems like, but that's, I guess, part of the beauty of a road course race. You had a couple guys, you know, like Bourdais, drop out with engine problems, but they're able to drive to a safe place on the racetrack where the the safety crew can remove that car and not interfere with the race. And uh, that it doesn't happen that often in this era. It seems like where you get a caution-free event. No, that's true, and, and of course you see Formula One adapting to the times. Of course, Formula One never used a pace car or a full-course caution until 1973. I mean, it's been a staple of American racing, whether it's been on road races or ovals you know, for, for a century. But it's kind of a newer addition to Formula One, and it's kind of become more and more prevalent. But Formula One's tried to adapt by creating this so-called virtual safety car, mm. which lets the cars drive at a, a semi-normal pace throughout most of the lap until they get into the caution zone where they're limited by a system similar to a pit lane speed uh, speed limiter. So I think that you know ultimately, IndyCar's probably going to have to look at something like that too, because so many of their races are, are disrupted by the fact that the pits are closed when a caution is is, is waived. John Oriovitz joining us to uh, covers the well, covers motorsports in general, but most notably IndyCar. Uh, five races in here to the IndyCar season as we uh, begin the the oval track action at the Brickyard. You've got three Chevy wins, all for for Penske cars with uh, Power, New Garden, and, and Pagano, and you got two Honda wins, but none for Ganassi. It's uh, Hinchcliffe and Bourdais that have won for Honda. What do you think of the level of competition b- between uh, the two uh, engine manufacturers and uh, just the the level of, of competition in the in the sport so far this year, John? Well, Dave, from my perspective, it looks closer this year. Um, you know, Chevy very soundly beat Honda 
last year. Honda only won a couple or three races, one of which was the Indianapolis 500, which, as you know, was kind of a crapshoot at the end. It ended up being one on fuel strategy. Right. But Honda, they, they came out of the box very strongly this year. Uh, they, they were very strong at St. Petersburg and, and Long Beach on the street courses. And they were better than they maybe expected to be at, at Phoenix and uh, at the Indianapolis road course yesterday. That wasn't expected to be one of their best tracks, yet Scott Dixon was a, a quality second-place driver mm-hmm. you know, throughout. Uh, it, it's clear that Honda's raised their game this year. Um, you know, with, with these aero kits, the wings and bodywork that they put on the cars, it's, it's difficult to figure out how much of it is engine and how much of it is them understanding how to use these aerodynamic pieces better. But I think it's good news for the series to see them closer, and there's a, you know, there's a number of factors behind it. Uh, Honda switched from Ganassi, or uh, Ganassi switched <laughs> I mean, from Chevrolet back to Honda this year, so that strengthened that. That put four strong cars into the Honda camp. Yep. Uh, you know, in, in reverse, the AJ Ford team, which is two cars with Carlos Munoz and, and Connor Daly, went to Chevrolet. And you, you have to say that Ganassi for, for Foyt, you know, obviously Honda got the better of the deals there. And the other thing, too, is, is that Honda picked up Bourdais. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's with Dale Coyne Racing, and it's kind of viewed as the little guy team, uh, small budgets, shoestring operation. But at the same time, what they've done at Coins this year is they've sort of reunited Bourdais with his race engineer, and some other key members of when he was on that championship run with Newman Haas Racing in the Champ Car Series from yeah. 2004 to 2007. So they've, they've kind of put together an all-star lineup there, and, and uh, they led the championship. I mean, they, they finished second at Long Beach. They won at, uh, at St. Petersburg, but, of course, he DNF'd there at Indianapolis. Uh, so he's dropped a little bit back in the points. And Phoenix. Thought much of, of and Phoenix, that's right. We haven't thought much of, of Simon Pagenaud this year. He's been very, he's been a very quiet presence because he hasn't qualified well at a couple of races. But he's put together top five finishes in all of them. And, and, you know, maybe more importantly than that, he scored his first win on an oval, which is a huge uh, psychological breakthrough for a driver that's trained in road racing. Um it's it's going to be fascinating to see. You know, Dixon's 10 points behind right now. Dixon traditionally gets off to a slow start in the championship for some reason. But he's he's running right there this year. And they believe that the Honda, you know, Honda had a superiority to Chevrolet at the Indianapolis 500 last year. And Dixon in particular is really looking forward to, um, you know, giving yeah. Honda uh, a shot here at Indy starting tomorrow. Of course, the other big story going into the Indianapolis 500 is the fact that Formula One driver Fernando Alonso and McLaren are, are coming stateside to, to partner up with Michael Andretti to, to file his entry. And he's already, of course, had that uh, heralded practice session that, that garnered so much interest in social media. Uh, a huge surprise announcement when it was made. What do you, what do you make of Alonso being in the field of 33 this year? Well, it's big for IndyCar, and I think it's big for Formula One and just for auto racing in general. Um, so many drivers these days, they're specialists, they're either NASCAR drivers or they're Formula One drivers, and whether it's through a lack of desire to try other forms of motorsport or whether it's contractual obligations that prevent them from doing so, there's just not a lot of the crossover that you saw in the golden era of the sport in the 60s and the 70s when Mario Andretti would drive in the Daytona 500 and Jim Clark would drive in the Indianapolis 500 and Bobby Unser would attempt to qualify for the Italian Grand Prix. Um <laughs> So it's neat that, that Alonzo is challenging himself to do this. 
Um, he has nothing to lose from a Formula One perspective. His season's in the tank. He was a miracle that he qualified seventh for the Spanish Grand Prix, but he obviously didn't have race pace today. Uh, and and it's, it's, just, it's a good challenge for him. He, he probably knows he's approaching the end of his Formula One career, but he doesn't want to stop driving. And I think he wants to check out what possibilities are out there for him in IndyCar racing or sports car racing. Um, it's, it's great for the Indy 500. It's brought a lot of not so much national attention here because Formula One is very much a niche sport in America, but it's, it's brought the international focus back on IndyCar racing. Uh, very similar to what Nigel Mansell did in 1993 when he quit Formula One, came over here and actually raced in the IndyCar series full time. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a fantastic publicity boost. They really did a good job of promoting and giving access to his test session online. Uh, it opened up a lot of eyes. What that did, the reaction to it from Formula One fans, and they got really good numbers. They generated you know millions of views and everything. Yeah. So it's going to add a very interesting storyline to the month of May. Alonzo's a really talented guy. He's highly motivated. The Hondas were good at Indy last year. He's got a good team there with Andretti Autosport. Uh, it's entirely possible he could be a front runner. It's, it's, a, it's a big, big, big uh, challenge for him. But, you know, Kurt Busch, if you look what he did, he, he essentially drove the car that Alonzo's driving this year. Uh, Kurt Busch stepped in two years ago, finished sixth in that car. Yeah. And Kurt Busch, you know, I, I would probably argue that it's, I don't know, the, the, the challenge level between being a lifelong oval racer but in a completely different type of car, you know, adapting to an indie car or whether you, you drive a roughly similar car but have to adapt to oval racing, we're going to see which is a bigger task to learn. Uh, but I, I look for Alonzo to perform well and, and uh, live up to the hype. John, last thing before we let you go, uh, I, I know you're in transition professionally. Where can uh, race fans go to find your work these days and hear what more? I know you're putting out some interesting stuff about the sport and life in general. Where can they go to read that? Well, uh, despite the fact that I get down on myself for feeling like I don't have a real job right now and being <laughs> in transition, uh, you can find a lot of my work in this year's Indianapolis 500 program. If you go online and buy a souvenir program, it's, it's worth buying every year anyway. But uh, beyond that, I've, I've got a pretty good international footprint. It's a little bit harder to find me, but I've launched my own website. Uh, it's my name, if you could figure out how to spell it, John Oreovitz, O-R-E-O, like the cookie, V-I-C-Z, dot com. We're going to talk about auto racing, but also my life as a single parent raising my son Patrick and the adventures that we have together and my love of rock and roll music and travel and simple comfort food. It's uh, Called Oreopolis. It's a little cornucopia of my strange world. Well, uh, I do enjoy uh, getting my view into it through social media and, and uh, the relationship I've developed with you over the years just by having you on the show. Appreciate the time as always. Uh, unfortunately, now you have to go get that lawnmower fired up. Uh, enjoy these next couple weeks in Indianapolis. And uh, thank you again for the time. Uh, it, it really appreciate it. Well, thanks, Dave. Anytime. And uh, I'm sure we'll be checking in. Uh, pretty soon before or after the Indy 500 unfolds. Very good. Take care. All right, John Oriovitz. Uh, you can also follow him on Twitter uh, at IndyOrio, uh, too, for uh, the latest. Uh, we get back. We'll uh, continue our local racing season preview. Tim Bennett from the Holland Speedway will join us. We get back here on Fast Track on WGR. 
we're cut from a similar cloth of you know humbleness and hard work and working your way up and that's the kind of guys we want we want guys that are going to earn the right to be on this team to start to be on special teams everybody's going to have a role and all we're going to ask them to do is lay it on the line in practice in the film room in the weight room the diet it's everything being a pro there are professional football players and there's guys who play professional football we want the guys who are professional football all ball all the time That was new Buffalo Bills general manager Brandon Bean, who was introduced to the media on Friday. Bean has already gotten to work on finding guys cut from the same cloth as the team announced the hiring of Joe Schoen as new assistant general manager this morning. Schoen broke into the league in 2000 as a ticket office intern with the Carolina Panthers, later moving on as a team scout. Schoen has been with the Miami Dolphins for the last nine years and has been their director of player personnel for the last three. Now to hockey, where Bobby Ryan scored in overtime to help the Ottawa Senators defeat the Pittsburgh Penguins 2-1. Ottawa now leads the Eastern Conference Finals 1-zip. Game 2 is tomorrow night. Later today, Game 2 of the Western Conference Finals, where the Anaheim Ducks hope to even up their series with the Nashville Predators. The puck drops tonight at 7.30. In the NBA, Game 1 of the Western Finals begins today. Tip-off for the Golden State Warriors and San Antonio Spurs comes your way at 3.30. Game 7 between the Celtics and Wizards is tomorrow night. And finally, in NASCAR, where it was announced that Eric Almarola is in stable condition after being involved in a violent wreck in last night's race, Martin Truex Jr. ended up winning the race in Kansas. For sports updates at the top and bottom of every hour, or when sports news breaks, I'm Mike Jafari for WGR Sports Radio 550. Hey, this is Eric Almarola, driver of the number 43 Smithfield Ford. You're listening to WGR Sports Radio 550. And again, we uh, wish the best for Eric Almarola as he is currently uh, in a hospital in the Kansas area after last night's crash in the NASCAR uh, Cup Series of Race. Uh, again, was uh, transported, uh, alert and conscious, but no further updates have been given, given since about 2 a.m. Uh, early, very early this morning. Uh, if anything does break while we're still on the air, we will uh, pass it along. Uh, you heard uh, John Oriovitz allude to the Formula One race in Spain earlier today. That was won by Lewis Hamilton over Sebastian Vettel as they continue their season-long rivalry. Hamilton winning, Vettel second. Daniel Ricciardo for Red Bull, finishing third. And a good day for Force India. They round out the top five with Sergio Perez and Esteban Ocon. Uh, Nico Hulkenberg was sixth. Carlos Sainz seventh. Pascal Werlein eighth. Danny Kvyat ninth. And Roman Grosjean, the uh, top runner for uh, F1 Haas Ferrari. Uh, rounded out the top 10. Uh, despite the win for Hamilton, he still trails Vettel in the uh, overall championship standings by sixth, uh, coming out of the uh, Spanish Spanish Grand Prix. Of course, they have the Grand Prix of Monaco coming up uh, in a couple of weeks. That's also part of the uh, Memorial Day Sunday festivities, the, uh, the early portion of that day. And then, of course, uh, the Indianapolis 500 and the Coke 600 for uh, the Cup Series, of course, to the uh, nightcap of a great day of motorsports. Um, of course, coming up this weekend will be the uh, the All-Star Race for NASCAR at Charlotte, uh, the uh, Monster All-Star Race, and uh, trying kind of a another format for the All-Star Race this year and uh, kind, of pay, kind of paying tribute, well, they are paying tribute to the uh, the uh, famous uh, All-Star Race back in 92, the One Hot Night, the first one under the lights at Charlotte that uh, Davey Allison won over Kyle Petty with a spectacular uh, last lap crash across the finish line. So that's kind of the theme uh, for the All-Star Race this year at Charlotte. Let's go to the AT&T hotline, though, and continue our local racing season preview. And speaking of NASCAR, the area's only NASCAR-sanctioned facility is the Holland International Speedway. And Tim Bennett joins us on the line this morning. Tim, good morning. 
Good morning. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. <laughs> Very good, Tim. Uh, big, busy season coming up at Holland, and it kicks off this Saturday. You've got opening day on tap. What can uh, race fans look forward to this season at Holland International Speedway? Well, one of the biggest things we brought back is the Pro Modified Division every single week. That is our top NASCAR division. Um, so you'll see them in action every single week that we run coming up in 2017. So to kick off this Saturday, the weather looks like it's going to turn around, and uh, we got some great car counts coming up, and there should be some great local racing here at this Holland Speedway. Yeah, the weather, I mean, even if for treks that haven't opened yet your, like yours, the weather has still been an issue because your facility infamously can get somewhat saturated, especially in the parking lot. And I know that that's, uh, I saw Larry Ott's column in the paper. Uh, I think your, your dad was quoted in there. Uh, it's been a struggle just trying to get the, the track ready for this year a little bit. Oh, absolutely. You look at, you know, you go back and uh, look on your lawns of your individual houses and different things. It's just like what we have up the speedway. So. To dry that out, we had a pretty good wind and sun last week, so we should be ready to go. Our practice, uh, we're going to open up for practice on a uh, Thursday. It's coming up, 6 p.m. to dusk, so it should be ready. And, uh, again, they're calling for great weather, so we should uh, have some great racing coming up. Yeah, luckily it looks like things are starting to warm up and, and more importantly, dry out. Uh, what else can what else should fans uh, circle on their calendars this year besides the weekly Saturday shows? What are some of the bigger events uh, on the 2017 schedule this year, Tim? Well, we do have the 2000, and uh, we have it twice this year coming up for the Crasheramas on June 17th and September 9th. Uh, that first one, we put a special race, and I don't know if you remember, but we have a double decker race. We're actually a smash two cars on top of each other, <laughs> and we do have a race. I think the top guy has the steering and the gas, and the guy, bottom guy has the brake. <laughs> so that should be quite interesting uh, to see on that crash ram on June 17th. Moving along, um, all our different sponsors are back. We've got Quick Fill Night on the end of June, June 24th. Moving into July, um, the annual stop of the ROC. And what a show that is yep. uh, at, our, at our track. It's one of the best in Western New York to see those guys fly in the high banks of Holland. That is just an unbelievable show. So we move into August. Our George Decker Memorial, I don't know quite how many years it is, but it's a lot. And our George Decker Memorial will come back on August 5th. So that's going to be a great race. i got a lot of competitors already talking about that. Moving into uh, September, we got another large race for our top division or modified. Um, is the Bud 100. So we've got a great schedule coming up and then conclude in um, September 9th with the Crasherama. So some great localized racing, some great tour coming up with the ROC. You know, it's just going to be, it should be a great, fantastic year. Well, just, you know, we got to count on Mother Nature. Exactly. Uh, Tim, of course, I, I think I bring this up with you all the time, but, you know, with all the, the ownership changes in area facilities, and it's not necessarily a negative thing that, that management or ownership changes at a track. I mean, you look at, you know, what's, what's happened at Ransomville and, and kind of the restructuring at Lancaster. But, of course, the one consistent thing in Western New York racing has been the Bennett family and the Holland Speedway, which uh, from literally day one you guys have been there, and you've seen it growing up uh, working with your dad. Uh, what what are what are the biggest challenges for, for short track operators and, and, and entertainment in, in these days uh, operating your facility? Uh, operating a facility, your costs go way up and income comes steady, you know. Uh, when the recession hits with people, it's it's the first thing that people's budget gets cut is entertainment. So to provide that entertainment value and to keep, I guess, current on what things are out there and the amenities that you need to give these 
fans when they come in is very difficult. You know, we're going into a 58 year under same management, same ownership. Mm-hmm. That is uh, the difficulty every year when we try to change. Some people, you know, we brought the four cylinders in 10 years ago. Uh, we were one of the first tracks to do that, but that got, you know, local kids, local, uh, more localized racing. So you go along in the different ways and different steps, and it's just a, it's a struggle like any other business, but it's a great entertainment, and we got some key sponsors behind us this year. Everyone's have come back, and even some new ones on board. Uh, you'll see, you'll see uh, development at our facility of uh, Holland Paintball Adventure Park. So the diversity of what we're trying to do with that complex is more than just racing, and that's yeah. kept us uh, going for season after season. Yeah, I, I see that too at Lancaster with uh, what they try and book more events just to generate revenue because trying to generate revenue on motorsports events can be sometimes uh, difficult in this economy. Uh, of course, you have the advantage, Tim, uh, of the NASCAR sanction. What kind of support you know does does NASCAR give? Do they give you marketing ideas? Yeah, I, a capital, obviously, too, and just to have the name recognition of NASCAR being attached. But, you know, when you go to your meetings during Speed Weeks or, or during the banquet, what kind of uh, uh, support and advice do you get from the folks uh, in Daytona? Well, you take a – it's not so much the folks in Daytona. They, they guide you along the way, and they got some different programs with some different sponsorships and things. But it's the camaraderie of different NASCAR tracks throughout the country that we have. And that kind of relationship that I can give a call up and say, hey, what are you doing over there? I saw this and saw that. And to really get the nitty-gritty in what is working out there. Uh, so that's really a plus being part of that NASCAR. You know, we come up, when NASCAR comes with a program for a million and fifty in excess medical for all of the competitors at Holland. That's unheard of these days. You can't go out and get a NASCAR license or a license for something and get insured for that amount. So... The comfort that the drivers know when they come to Holland that they will be covered if something, God forbid, does happen, uh, that, that's a big big notch in our belt with NASCAR and what they do for us. And also, the, you know, the name recognition of NASCAR has been there since, I think, we've been since 1967. And it gives us a little, uh, what do you want to say, cloud out there, but it's, it's one of the premier divisions or premier facilities that we try to be every single year and being part of that NASCAR. So NASCAR comes with a lot. Um, you know, one thing I didn't mention is is the point fund. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a minimum of $10,000 for our top division. And they got four divisions they pay out. It's not 10 each one, but to come up with that kind of money right off the top of the bat that you're competing for, and that's just on a local level. Yep. You know, you can, you can go back on a, a New York State championship level and then a national level. Where can you get that? You can't get that anywhere else. And that's really why, why one thing we're part of NASCAR. Yeah, and and the Bennett family, especially, you talk about your relationship with the NASCAR and the, and the France family in general. You said 1967, and obviously that loyalty has been rewarded by NASCAR. I think it's it's great that your dad is actually a, a voting member for the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Does does he ever talk about uh, being part of that process at all with you? He, uh, a little bit. It was uh, it was neat to see when he got on that board, and he uh, he actually enjoys that very very much. You know, to be part of that and to be part of the NASCAR and who gets in there and who doesn't. So it's, you know, we don't talk in depth, but we've, we've touched base on it. It's a great notch in his belt. And it's just a great recognition for, for my dad for all those years of loyal support and, and the knowledge of sport of the sport that we love that he has. I mean, yep. the knowledge that he has is surpassed. And weren't you on one of the appellate committees for a while? or it was? Yeah, no, I'm still on, okay. still on the board. I think there's... 
maybe 30 or 40 people throughout the United States that uh, I was nominated on the appellate board last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I got to sit in on uh, one last year, which was kind of neat recognition for and, and seeing how things are done and seeing how things are presented when uh, when people are illegal and not. So <laughs> it was different. It was a good time, though. Last thing before we let you go, Tim, uh, you do mention the, the pro-modified are coming back. Uh, who, who are some of the names you expect to see uh, competing in your pro-modified division this year? Uh, local boy, I believe uh, Dietz is coming back. Uh, Neil Dietz, the Catalanos are coming uh, back. I think they have two or three cars with Tommy and Amy. Um, some other ones, I know Graft, Graft Trucking has a, uh, an individual ride coming out, and I believe Patrick Emerling will be driving that. So to see those local boys go for it and go for that $10,000 point fund is going to be great to see. Tim Bennett from Holland uh, International Speedway. You can get more information at hollandspeedway.com, and they're on Facebook too. Tim, as always, thanks for the time. We will see you in the Holland Hills sometime soon this summer. Sounds great, Dave, and I appreciate your time uh, this morning. Again, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there, and thanks for the opportunity, Dave. I appreciate it. No problem, Tim. Take care. Have it. All right, Holland Speedway uh, opens up this Saturday. Uh, they kick off their 58th season of competition there at the uh, High Bank uh, 3-8 mile oval. It, it really is like it's a, it's a little Bristol. It, it, best way to describe it, if you took Bristol and shrunk it from a half mile and to a 3-8 and maybe took a little bit of the banking out, it's the best way to kind of describe the uh, facility at Holland if you've never been there. Speaking of local racing, when we get back, we'll wrap up this Mother's Day edition of Fast Track with the local racing roundup. we got some results to get to. And uh, still time for your phone calls, to 803-0551-888-552-550 when we get back here on Fast Track on WGR. Hey, race fans, it's Dave Buchanan from my friends at Batavia Downs. You need to discover why Batavia Downs is the area's premier entertainment destination. They have 800 of the hottest and in-demand video game machines. They have tons of great titles. When they're adding new ones all the time, too. They've got all sorts of cool themed entertainment machines, uh, some of your favorite you know, TV shows, movies, cartoon characters. Uh, they have tons of games connected to that. And, of course, you can make it a great night not only playing the video game machines, but they've got the great restaurants. You can stay the night in the hotel that they have there now, too. And you can go and you can wager on you know harness live harness racing they have there at Batavia Downs. You can also wager on other horse racing events. Uh, throughout the country, I mean, uh, we're now in, in Triple Crown season. They had the, the Derby last weekend. They've got the next two races, the Triple Crown, coming up. So you can always go there, wager on the races, and watch them. One of the places you can watch horse racing and other sports, too, is 34 Rush. That's Thurman Thomas' sports bar right inside Batavia Downs. I've been there lots of times. Great place. Tons of HD TVs. they got a big 15-foot projection screen for big events. But uh, horse racing, car racing, hockey playoffs, baseball, uh, basketball playoffs, you can watch it all there uh, from inside 34 Rush, inside Batavia Downs. Batavia Downs Gaming is open every day, 8 a.m. until 4 a.m. They're right off the thruway exit 40 in Batavia. You can't miss it. For more information, be sure to follow Batavia Downs Gaming on Facebook and Twitter for up-to-date info on all promotions. And discover why Batavia Downs Gaming is the area's premier entertainment destination. And tell them you heard about them right here on Fast Track. Let's find out who visited Victory Lane this weekend. It's time for the local racing roundup on WGR's Fast Track. And, yep, some tracks did get their shows in. Some were affected by weather. Friday night, Lancaster National Dragway got their season opener in the book, so they ran out of time. They ran into the curfew. Four classes did get to conclusion, though. Mike Peters in uh, Bikes and Sleds. DJ Razor winning in Street. Uh, Jason Bezanique getting the win in uh, Buffalo Street Outlaws over Brian Pryor. Mike Nowak getting the win in top eight. 
the uh, top and mod divisions were uh, had to be split going into the final round because of the midnight curfew there at Lancaster. So the split in mo- uh, top went to Pete Maduri and Kevin Frank. And in mod, it was uh, no surprise there, Clayton Rickinson and Joe Skoke, who uh, split uh, mod ET due to uh, curfew. Ransomville Speedway got their season kicked off. Uh, Anthony Guthrie won the four-banger feature after his dad, Howard, crashed racing with Chad Desso for the lead on the final lap. Unfortunately, after that, the rains came, and the street stock sportsman modified and novice sportsman features have to be postponed. Ransomville will be announcing the exact schedule of when all four of those feature events will be made up. Saturday Night Action, Genesee Speedway got their show started, but they were also impacted by Mother Nature, but they did get a few features in, including Ray Smith getting the win in Sportsman over Adam Ashcroft and Kyle Inman, Tommy Kemp getting the win in the 360 late models, Adam Depew getting the win in the uh, Street Stock feature after 18 laps, and uh, Olivia Conneberg getting the win in the Bandits. The uh, Mini Stock feature was postponed due to weather as uh actually i drove through batavia last night in between going from oswego to lancaster it was pouring in batavia so no surprise there lancaster got their stock car program in fully chuck hosfeld a surprise entry picked up the win in the sportsman jim steffenhagen won the 50 lapper for the new york super stock series rich sharp got his second straight street stock win and bobby woke got the win in the uh, four-cylinder division race of champions modified series was at oswego yesterday and brian sherwood got his first career win a well-deserved victory for that young man for all the hard work he and his dad put in and all the rough luck they've had in recent years. Uh, great to see Brian get his first win over Andy Jankowiak and Patrick Emerling. Um, official word has come out from Richard Petty Motorsports. We do have an update on Eric Almarola. It just came during the commercial break here. And the official statement reads as follows. Eric Almarola has been released from a local Kansas hospital and will fly back to his home in Mooresville, North Carolina today. Almarola suffered a compression fracture of his T5 vertebra after the accident last night at Kansas. Uh, Almarola is mobile and will follow up with his doctors in Charlotte. Uh, reportedly, he can walk, which is obviously a good sign. Uh, there is no timetable on how long Almarola could be out of the car, and the team has not announced any plans what they'll do for the All-Star race this Saturday because uh, Almarola is uh qualified because of his win last year at uh, Pocono. So uh, there you go. We got official update on the Almarola. Tough, tough injury. Who knows? He'll be out of the car, obviously. But uh, most importantly, he is uh, walking and it will able to be able to spend today with his uh, family. Tough. Uh, really coming after a great weekend for for Eric at, at Talladega last weekend. He won the Xfinity race. Uh, has was uh, had a good run in the in the cup race too. So I mean that that's just you, you go from the highest to highest to the lowest of lows in the sport sometimes. So uh, hopefully he gets better soon and, and is able to resume his driving career. But that uh, could make things interesting for the folks at Richard Petty Motorsports. They might have to uh, find someone to fill in for Eric here uh, heading into Charlotte and uh, potentially further. Um, you know, there's a couple names that uh, you know could come up. Uh, someone like a, a Regan Smith. Uh, that uh, does doesn't have a ride right now, uh, uh, and Alex Bowman. Well, Alex Bowman works for uh, Hendrick uh, Chevrolet team, so I don't know if he would go to a Ford team like um, like RPM. But uh, obviously, I'm sure RPM will have uh, no shortage of candidates to potentially fill in for Eric here in the interim until he is uh, fully healed. But but tough break for Eric, uh, looking to you know have a have a breakout year here. Uh, you know, you got the win last year, qualified for the playoffs. So I was hoping to duplicate that success this season, and uh, unfortunately, um, that will not happen as he is uh, 
currently uh, Eric is was 23rd in points, so uh, obviously uh, not in playoff contention, but uh, you know he can win in the series. He's won one in the past, so he could have had a shot for the playoffs still this year, uh, but that might not happen depending on how long he'll be out of the race car. Uh, that'll do it for us. We'll be back next Sunday, so we will have the uh, all-star race to talk about and uh, possibly talk about who might be driving the, the 43 car in the coming weeks. Uh, local racing is now officially in full swing. Uh, all, all the tracks are pretty much open now with, uh, again, Holland opening up this Saturday, Lancaster, Ransomville, Merrittville. Uh, Humberstone gets fired up next weekend, too. Uh, all the area local tracks, uh, Freedom Motorsports Park, uh, even though they got rained out this Friday night, they'll be opening up as well, too. So uh, be sure to get out and support your favorite local tracks and drivers because there is nothing like seeing this sport in person. We'll talk to you next Sunday here on WGR, and happy Mother's Day. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.